You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. This is East Carolina Hall of Famer and Utah Jazz first round draft pick Blue Edwards. You're listening to Pirate Basketball Overtime on the Sports Objective, your home for the best East Carolina hoops coverage. Welcome to Pirate Basketball Overtime right here on TSO and myself and my the producer co-host he's he, he's been with me right, right around five years Bubba Rosamond what's up man what's going on Dave just watching uh, some football um, championship Saturday um, you had Utah taking care of business for a second time last night against USC knocking the Trojans out of playoff contention and uh, today uh, you have a couple of excellent games going on early in the second half now in the MAC championship game. Toledo beating Ohio ten to seven, and um, right now K State is up fourteen to ten on TCU. In the second half, is uh, going to be getting underway here shortly. Yeah, as we're recording this uh, show live, it's actually been raining today. I uh, was hoping to do some stuff outside, but it's a definitely a great day to. Uh, watch football and watch Pirate basketball overtime right here. Pirates get the big victory, 79-69. Bubba, very happy, um, by the way. Overall, one thing I was going to say, and then I'm going to pitch it to you, is uh, you and I were talking pregame right before we were texting, and we always do before the games. And I I was just curious to see how, um, after Tuesday night, the loss to South Carolina State, we're not going to dwell on that. But how would this team respond? And Bubba, you get a 79-69 win. And the great thing about a win in this particular case is there, it was not a perfect game all 40 minutes. But overall, uh, pleased to see the Pirates bounce back, get a victory 6-3 and three on the year. Yeah, in the postgame, uh, Mike Schwartz was asked that very thing. It may have been the first question he was asked by the local media um, as far as bouncing back and – and he he said he had felt as though um, practice had gone very well the last couple days um, since that loss that you referenced to South Carolina State on Tuesday night. And um, the Pirates were sharp from the get-go on um, playing their best first half of the season. And uh, and we'll talk about the game as a whole here in a minute. Um, but yeah, the Pirates were uh, sharp from the opening tip. It was a uh, when you know you had your runs and you know ebbs and flows like you do in any ball game but on um, the first half was back and forth and um, the, the pirates uh, after a few lead changes and ties um, really took control of the game late in the first half and then um continued that on into the second half and then didn't play the way we would have liked in the final six to seven minutes and um found a way to knock down free throws in the final minutes but uh but in the first half, um, you you really saw uh, R.J. Felton. Uh, R.J. Felton had an unbelievable game, 25 points, knocked down seven threes. And uh, there in the first half, uh, he started um, 
started strong, and then I think there with about four minutes to go in the half, he knocked down his third three-pointer of the game um, to give us a, a three-point lead, and we closed the half. Uh, I think it was um, maybe a 17-2 to two run, or yeah, 24-24, to 24. Mm-hmm. and at halftime we were up 41-26 to 26, uh, right after um, Javon Small got fouled there on the final possession of the half, knocked down all three free throws. Um, and it was a great job by him. Crossover, step back, and then he linked in the air. And um, allowed the Pirates to, to close. Yeah, I lost you a little bit there, Bubba. But... Uh, you got me now? Yeah, I got you back. One, one of the things that was really impressive to me is how we scored a season-high 41 points in the first half, and that those three free throws there with three seconds left in the half, then those were the only points Javon Small scored. Yeah, it, it was an amazing time, you know, when, the, when you have uh, this team. And uh, basically, I believe it was uh, when you had Javon Small, by the way, who had uh, – I was at nine free throws. He had 11 assists. He had a whole bunch of assists and um, he had a whole bunch of free throws. And, you know, you think about that and the Felton get, you know, seven out of 10, 70% from three point land. And um, I felt like that that was like the, for me, 25 points and uh, took the team on his back. Don't you think? Yeah. And I'm um, taking a look now at some of the individual numbers from last night's game, uh, RJ Felton, um, that career high 25 points, also a career high seven three pointers, as you mentioned, seven for 10. Um, you had Brandon Johnson uh, had his fourth double double of the season 16 points, 10 rebounds. Jaden Walker continues to show us that he can shoot the ball well and, um, and score in a variety of ways, and so not only knocking down some perimeter shots, but also taking the ball uh, very strongly to the basket. Uh, Jaden had 13 and five. Um, Ezra Asar, 10 points, five rebounds, and Javon Small um, you know, flirted with a triple-double. Um, not not extremely close, but um, he really stuffed the sh- stat sheet despite um, not scoring from the floor, and that's something that Coach Schwartz, as you'll hear in a few minutes, talked about in the postgame, um, just that, uh, how he had an excellent floor game despite, knocking, despite not knocking down a shot uh, from the field. Uh, nine points, 11 assists, and six rebounds. And, you know, did have a few turnovers there late that allowed Campbell to make it interesting. But uh, on the whole, uh, excellent game for Javon Small, even though he wasn't knocking down shots. And, um, you know, for Campbell, um, the Camels had four players in double figures, led by Joshua Lusain, uh, you know, who was coming off a 29-point game against the Stetson Hatters, I believe it was, and he had 16 points um, doing some things both in the paint as well as knocking down two or three trifectas throughout the night. Yeah, great. Uh, overall, I was really happy with the performance. Uh, Campbell is not a bad basketball team, as we had Chris Haymeyer on for the preview the other night, just a um, couple days ago on Thursday night. And here we have a situation where uh, the Pirates bounce back and – you know, what's amazing to me, Bubba, is uh, what what it reminded me of is, hey, this is a young team. Uh, these guys are trying to develop chemistry. They're trying to, as coaches, they're trying to find the right 
uh, the substitutions, the right mix of guys. It's still um, early in the season. Sometimes this stuff happens. And so uh, the fact that they could get that win is great at home. Four and one now in the season uh, on uh, at home. Uh, we'd like for it to be five and zero, oh, but hey, uh, that's great. Let's go look at the post game notes there, Bubba. Yeah, um, we, we've talked about scoring a season-high 41 points in the first half. The Pirates built that 22-point lead, uh, leading 67-45 to 45 with just under seven minutes remaining in the game. And then uh, from that point, think about this. I mean, you know, Campbell had scored 45 points in the first 33-plus minutes of the game, and then they scored 24 in the you – know, and really I looked to see uh, – it was just like the last six minutes and five seconds and when they got that first bucket of those 24 points. So pretty crazy. The Campbell's got camel got red hot and um, the Pirates didn't play their best defense, but it was also Campbell knocking down some very tough shots at times. Um, and then the Pirates taking some ill-advised shots. Um, there were at least two occasions that I can think of immediately, you know, where we took – Ill-advised three-pointers very early in the shot clock. Also, a turnover or two in the in the backcourt. And the Pirates now, uh, you know, as you mentioned, um, just that one loss at home to South Carolina State, and the Pirates have won 19 out of their last 20 non-conference home games. Uh, and as we'll talk about more as we wrap up the show in a few minutes, um, we'll talk about what lies ahead, and that will be a trip to – rival UNC Wilmington on Tuesday night uh, and uh, we'll talk about what the Seahawks have done uh, thus far uh, in a few minutes all right Bobby if you're ready uh, we can go ahead and uh, get that audio ready for the post game and uh, we'll do that and then obviously it'll be a nice way to wrap up the uh, camel game and then we'll talk a little bit and then pitch it to uh, get you set for Tuesday night uh, the war on the shore but uh, Bubba do you have the audio yeah, we'll go to the audio with Mike Schwartz and Coach Schwartz talking about his team bouncing back and then talked about the performance of, um, you know, obviously Jaden Walker, what he did, uh, R.J. Felton, just saying that R.J., you know, with how hard he works, the way he's so consistent and focused and just does, um, you know, pretty much most things right. Um, pretty much all the time and it's just the epitome of consistency within this program and um, everything he brings to the table is um, satisfying to see him have that type of success and right now here are those post-game remarks of East Carolina first-year head coach Mike Schwartz. You know good win uh, versus a really good team I think uh, just a ton of respect for Campbell and their program and their coaching staff and it's really, you know, the players, they're a really good team and so excited about that win for us. That's a big win, especially coming off of two losses. Uh, I wish we could come in here and talk about a 40-minute game, but, uh, you know, we have a lot to grow and we got to we gotta learn and understand that it's not a 33-minute game. I mean, I think we had a 22-point lead with 6.48 to go and, and, you know, we end up winning by 10 with fouling, et cetera, down the stretch. But, uh, we, you know, that's really where the focus was in the locker room and, a little disappointed about that because it really should be about it should have been about a 40-minute complete game uh, but the same token we're going to learn from this a lot of guys that were in the game late they were either playing in high school or AAU this time last year or 
were in games when the game had been decided already and they weren't part of maybe building that or being part of that first 35, 34 minutes. So something that we can learn from and win or lose, we have to find a way to get better and that's where the focus will be in terms of that. All right, questions? Coach, you were pretty confident in your team's ability to kind of bounce back, respond from the, the two-game spell. You know, what kind of gave you that confidence and, and you thought they kind of met the challenge tonight? Yeah, I really do. And I was very proud of the guys when we talked about that. Just uh, that they came in with a very good mindset, an open and locked-in mindset when we watched the film of the South Carolina State game and we started prep immediately for Campbell. They're a very good offensive team. And so we started some prep right away the next day on Wednesday, the film room came out. We had one day of prep on the court Thursday, and then we had our shoot-around today. So for those guys to be locked into a unique system and a very good offensive team, I think Campbell in their last game at 80, you know, scored over 80 points in the game. And so we, we knew it, and our guys were mentally, they were locked into it. And then from the other side of it was we really, since the South Carolina State game, from the locker room until just now, from the end of the locker room after the loss to right now, we talked about, guys, all we want to put everything in the next three days is maximum effort in terms of what we do as a team, defensive intensity and execution, so the game plan and our defensive intensity, and our rebounding execution. And that's it. And I said, we, we trust what we're doing on offense, that we're going to be fine there, but we have to make sure that those three things, win, lose, or draw, are at the highest level when we step on the court to play Campbell. It looked like you guys were just passing the ball a bunch, like really making sure to share the ball. Is that an emphasis? What they do with emphasizing what needs to be done on both sides of the ball and, you know, whether it was the preparation for guarding them or specifically their defense. They're a very gap-oriented team. And that's why Javon had five turnovers outside of that late turnover versus the press. When you play a gap-oriented team that's really sitting in there, you got to understand that you can't get in there they're not going to let you get where you want to go. You're going to have to keep moving the basketball and try and create some rotations with that movement that you spoke of. And Javon was getting in those gaps and trying to put the ball behind his back or trying to change directions. And there's too many hands down there. Now you've got two, three guys loaded up to the ball with this type of defense. So the emphasis going in was get that ball moving, get it moving, get it moving. And that's maybe where you could find a crease or you could throw the ball inside. But if you just thought you were going to get downhill into the paint just off an isolated drive, it wasn't going to happen. So we really emphasized the last two days during the offensive portions of practice, moving the basketball, popping it around. Ezra Nazar got the star. He had some really great moments tonight. What did you, or how did you feel about his performance tonight, getting the start? Yeah, you know, first start in college. I'm sure that's exciting for him. And, uh, we spoke the night after he scored 18 that night, you know, and obviously he had a nice offensive game, but at the team result it wasn't it. And, you know, we talked a little bit that evening, and it said Ezra that for him to continue to grow as a player, he has to forget about that right away. And, and I give Ezra so much credit for this reason. You know, Ezra hasn't played as much as he wanted to up to this point. Like all players, they want more, and, and I got great respect for that. But what Ezra has never done is ever held his head down. He's never had a poor attitude. He's kept an incredible attitude. In fact, he has tried to seek out coaches, myself, to watch more film individually, do things like that, where prior to him having that game, you know, he did that after games he didn't play a lot or after games he didn't play well. So I just give Ezra so much credit for his mindset to stay humble, stay hungry as he's trying to get on the court. And tonight, he'll look at the tape, 
And there's things he should have done better tonight. He knows he can't get his shot blocked at the rim that many times. And he understands that, and he's going to work on it, but he's the first to say it. And defensively, you know, we really trust Ezra in terms of his defensive versatility. So, uh, yeah, I'm proud of Ezra. Could you tell uh, during shoot-around today that RJ was going to come out here and shoot the ball like he did, 7 for 10 for three-point landing? He provided a huge spark today for you guys. If I could tell that at shoot-around, I'd be probably coaching in the big boy league up in the NBA if I knew how to predict that. Now, you know what? But I tell you, RJ, every day, Every day, RJ is locked in. He really is. Every day. And it doesn't, whether he makes mistakes or doesn't make mistakes or makes shots or doesn't make loose shots, he's locked into the team focus and what we're trying to do. And he had great energy today. He had great energy yesterday, but he had great energy today in the South Carolina State shoot-around. He's a consistent person. And that's what I love so much about RJ. And to be honest with you, the only play I remember at one point was the shot he didn't contest late game. And that's the one, but after thinking about RJ through the game and looking at the stat sheet, I mean, he was dynamic on offense, but but he earns every minute of it because of how he does everything, the way he carries himself, the way he works in the classroom, the way he works in practice, the way he works on his own. I think he has earned, you know, a, a successful game like that. Coach, for Javon to almost have a double-double without making a shot, like, does that just show you how much he can affect a game without scoring? And also, does that just kind of maybe show how defenses are paying attention to him a little bit more? 100%. I mean, we talked about that with Javon, that, that every game has more film is out there. And so there's that target gets a little bigger on us because they know he's a really good player. He's a really good point guard. But what I think about that is that's a true point guard line right there. To have nine points out of nine of nine from the free throw line, 11 assists, what do you have, four rebounds or so, I think, you know, or six rebounds, six. I mean, he's, you know, inching towards a triple-double without making a field goal. That is a real, I mean, he controlled the game from a point guard perspective. You know, you you know, and that's what we would call it, that, that he really had a great floor game in terms of all aspects as a point guard. And he did. I mean, you know, nine of nine from the free throw line, when we were obviously struggling late game, he made the free throws that were really important for us. Uh, but he's the first to say in that locker room, he knows late game, some of those turnovers, some of those things, Great point guards, he knows he, he holds himself to a high standard that he doesn't want to do that. And he will. He will fix that. We will fix that as a team. got to ask about the, the moment with Quentin. He had the, the baseline drive. Is that just kind of a teaching moment as far as awareness? Or kind of what do you see on that play? Quentin is a really selfless player. He's not a selfish player at all on offense. He really plays the right way all the time. The last few days, in the last couple games... Myself and the staff have really challenged him defensively. Really challenged him defensively. And sometimes when you challenge someone so much on defense, he did the right thing. He took his mind off offense. But you have to know when you're wide open at the rim. That was an innocent mistake. That was something he wasn't, you know, awareness, not whatever you want to call it. It was nothing, you know. You give that ball to Quentin 10 out of 10 times, he's going to dunk the basketball. But... Combine the fact that we've really been challenging him defensively. And let's be honest, the truth is, he's not in the starting lineup for the first time all year. His minutes aren't probably what he wanted them to be. Sometimes you can get in your own head that way. And that that play probably would say would be an example of that. Dave, you're on mute. 
Thank you, Bubba. Uh, that's comments from head coach Mike Swartz says the Pirates again win 79-69. Bubba, awesome job uh, getting audio. And, you know, coach, I just wanted to say this, Bubba, I know that we're running tight on time, but I just want to give a shout out to the coaches because after a loss like Tuesday night, it would be so easy to lick your wounds, feel sorry for yourself. This team has put hours and hours and hours of work, and you see how much love they have for Coach Schwartz because – they are playing hard on the defensive side of the ball, uh, the defensive end, if you will, and uh, really proud of this team for the way they bounce back, Bubba. Yeah, definitely an excellent performance, especially for those first 33-plus minutes, um, the last six and a half to seven minutes. Definitely not what we would want. Uh, you really you felt like Campbell would – probably make a run at some point because they're, they're a quality team. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they fare for the rest of the season. Um, they had picked up a quality road win against a, a pretty good App State team. Um, and then you also had them take NC State down to the wire. And like Coach Schwartz said, is a game that really Campbell probably felt like they, they not only could have won, but perhaps should have won. Um Johnny Robertson chiming in about some of the comments that Coach Schwartz made as far as Quentin DeBunjay. Uh, Quentin, you know, had that play in the first half where had the ball in the left corner um, and drove the baseline. And, I mean, it was the there was nobody there, nobody. I think nine times out of ten, or hopefully ten times out of ten. Now, you know, Quentin would throw that down. Uh, he's never going to have a more clear path to the basket. Yeah. Uh, it was just one of those strange things that sometimes happen. And um, he was asked, as you heard about that, um, by Stephen Igo of Hoist the Colors. And uh, he was talking about how Quentin's um, you know, defensive focus effort and some, some of those things had been really uh, addressed in the last few practices. And uh, he thinks because of that, uh, that, um, that that led to Quentin you know, passing up a shot that um, he sh simply should not have passed up and uh, was going to be as easy of a shot as you could get, really. But uh, he said I, and he had noticed in games two through six that DeBunjay was playing about 25 minutes a game, averaging 11.5 points, and in the last three, um, those minutes had dwindled to about nine minutes on average and just a couple points per game. Um, so appreciate Johnny Robertson chiming in, as always. and. Um, We'll talk about the UNC Wilmington matchup here in a few minutes, but Johnny Gardner just pointing out at Trask on Tuesday night will be a very tough test, and, and then he hopes Benjamin Bayela, who's really struggling shooting the basketball to to say the least, um, but has played well in other in other ways uh, in the minutes he's got. He got a start last night, um, but uh, I think he's something like one out of twenty three thus far. Uh, so, uh, like Johnny says, hopefully Benjamin Bayela will get it going soon and shoot the basketball the way, the way we know that he can. No doubt about it. And, uh, again, that's going to be – you're right on the money, Johnny, as both Johnnies are, uh, Johnny and Johnny. Uh, when, it, when you have Trash Coliseum, the, the war on the shore, as we've known it for many, many years, and you have the fact that the uh, – that the Seahawks are still in the CAA and they do a great job there with that program. And Bubba, we just haven't had the success like we wanted to uh, on um, at, like we would like to in Wilmington. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. And um, 
a few words here in just a moment about the Seahawks and uh, you know what that team has done thus far uh, because they're red hot and they've won five straight. But um, before we move on from the Campbell game, I very quickly wanted to run over these team statistics. One of the things that stood out about Coach Schwartz' post-game remarks is the way the Pirates shot free throws for the game as well as down the stretch. And then Campbell closed to within. They they were facing that 22-point deficit with just over six minutes remaining. Uh, whittled the lead down to six with, I think, about 40 seconds left. Um, you know, as a Pirate fan, things got uh, pretty uncomfortable there. Um, I, you know, I, I reflected back about 20 years to a game that we had against UNC Wilmington the first two or three seasons of the Bill Herrian era when Brett Blizzard was there. Uh, with UNC Wilmington, oh, yeah. uh, and this game was being played, though, in uh, williams Arena Menjis Coliseum, and we had something like a 22-point lead, and uh, it got down to one possession as Brett Blizzard started. Uh, he got uh, red hot and knocked down something like four or five threes in the final four or five minutes of that game and um, got down to a one-possession game, and you're thinking, oh, gosh, this is going to be an absolute nightmare and kind of had the same feeling last night. But fortunately, Javon Small and Jaden Walker uh, knocked down six free throws, uh, Small converting four of those attempts, and the Pirates were able to put it away against Campbell. But um, the Pirates shot 46.4% from the floor, 26 out of 56. The Campbell – Camels also knocked down 26. Campbell, on the other hand, 8 out of 25, 32%. East Carolina, as we mentioned, um, was excellent from the charity strike, 88.2%, 15 out of 17 uh, Campbell, on the other hand, was 9 out of 13, 69.2. The Pirates out-rebounded the Camels 38 to 28. Uh, Carolina really shared the basketball well. That's something Coach Schwartz touched on in his postgame remarks, just saying with how Campbell plays defense, um, they make it really difficult to attack gaps. You really have to move the basketball well. The Pirates shared the ball probably as well or better than – and they have all season 20 assists on 26 made field goals and uh, had six more assists in the game than the Camels. Um, the Pirates did have a a few too many turnovers, 13. I think in the first 10 minutes of the game uh, when Campbell um, largely had the lead and the lead was going back and forth in the first half, um, the Pirates had five turnovers. Then they really took – Excellent care of the basketball for the remainder of the first half. But, you know, that um, kind of reared its head again in the final six to seven minutes of the game as the lead was sliced from 22 to six. Um, and in the game, Pirates, 13 turnovers, Campbell, nine. Um, so, as we mentioned, um, Pirates, next time out, will be traveling down to Wilmington and the Port City on Tuesday night. One and very difficult schedule. Open the Carolina. Um, you know, after a fairly competitive game, I think they lost by about 15 in the Dean Dome. Uh, have non-conference losses to a uh, very good Oklahoma Sooners team. And, uh, UConn, top 10, UConn, 
obviously has former pirate Tristan Newton. Excellent wins against the likes of Missouri State, Vermont, uh, also um, in Coastal Carolina. Yes, we're having some trouble with uh, Bubba's mic, so we'll try to see. Uh, um, but certainly uh, with the Bubba, with that Tuesday night, uh, with UNC Wilmington, the War on the Shore, Trask Coliseum. It's going to be, by the way, um, if you don't have Flow Sports, uh, Flow uh, Sports, uh, this particular case, Flow Hoops, um, it's like a pay-per-view kind of like subscription service. And maybe if you want to do a trial of that, um, but you can watch that at 7 o'clock or you can listen to our good friends, uh, Jeff Charles, voice of the Pirates, and of course, a longtime coach, uh, assistant, and then filled in uh, in 2017, Mike Perry. Uh, we'll see uh, them and listen to them on Tuesday night. It's going to be a great game, and uh, hopefully the Pirates can come out. And uh, Bubba, you know, when you were looking at the rebounds there, 38-28 last night with the Pirates, that's a, one thing that we didn't do very well ODU. Again, the physicality was not there. I think the Pirates did better there. And um, when you were talking about the free throw shooting, 88%, that's incredible. 15 out of 17. And the other stat that stood out to me, Bubba, uh, that hopefully we keep up, I know Felton had uh, something to do with that was 70% from three-point land, but 44% from three-point land is uh, is really, really good, and I hope we can keep that up. That's the difference in um, moving on to the next level as far as having a postseason tournament beyond the conference tournament. Um, that's one of the factors I'm going to be looking at. As always, you and I have been talking about for three seasons now, we've got to get that three-point percentage up, and last night was a good example of that. Yeah, the three-point percentage for the season now is right at 35%. I believe it's 349 to be exact. Okay. But um, after losing so much, um, that area has honestly been a little bit better than I thought it probably would be. Um, really, a lot of credit there. I mean, especially Brandon Johnson developing his outside shot, but then R.J. Felton and Javon Small um, – Last year, really struggled to shoot the basketball, particularly from the perimeter, but they have stepped up in a huge way. RJ, uh, as you mentioned, 7 out of 10 last night, and for the season, RJ's uh, a very solid 41% from beyond the arc. Uh, so, uh, as I was saying a, a few minutes ago um, when my mic was messing up, um, and that UNC Wilmington test is going to be um, – as Johnny Gardner said, very challenging. They've won five straight. And anytime the Pirates come to Trask Coliseum, um, they're absolutely fired up um, <laughs> and ready to go. And uh, Tuesday night will be no different. I re recall um, another game from early on in the Bill Herring era. Um, I want to say it was the 2000-2001 season down there at Trask Coliseum. My dad and I had gone, uh, actually had uh, – a friend of mine from high school who was at UNC Wilmington and got us tickets. And I remember that night walking into the arena, they had a, an old bug there um, parked adjacent to oh, Trask, yeah. Trask Coliseum. And you know, it was painted purple and they had, had um, in, you know, gold or teal, whatever 
and BDCU painted on the bug. And then they were selling tickets to students for, for, you know, a buck or two a piece for an opportunity to take the sledgehammer and, and take a whack or two at, at the ECU bug. So that, and that, and that shows you a little about, uh, you know, how much uh, UNC Wilmington cannot stay in East Carolina. It's uh, it's probably the closest, it, uh, well, one of the closest rivalries in in state and uh, the CAA days and just a lot of history there. So um, we're gonna have to do that. We want to look at uh, obviously, Bob. Before we get out of here, I know we've got football to watch, but uh, want to remind fans too that we got the big game on Tuesday night on the road, and then the Pirates will come back. Um, Coppin State, man, that's one another team from the MEAC coming up. Um, next Sunday, the 11th, that'll be at two o'clock at Williams Arena at Menji's Coliseum. Of course, it'll be on ESPN Plus, but we'd like to get that's a two o'clock game. And I know we'll take the kids to that game. Bubba is going to be great. And I know we've got some other great games coming up, right? Yeah, looking at the remaining non-conference schedule, Pirates now six and three. Um, UNC Wilmington, Coppin State. Then you have uh, at South Carolina, so all you Western North Carolina Pirates, you know, Pirates that are in the Palmetto State, uh, try to get to Greenville, South Carolina, there in the upstate for that one on December 17th. That is a Saturday, um, officially, you know, or exactly, rather, two weeks from today. And and that is, I want to say, a 7 o'clock tip-off, something like that, 6 or 7 o'clock. Seven o'clock tip off. I definitely plan on making that one if at all possible. And um, the final non-conference game uh, will be at Menji's. Um, Dave, I think you have the schedule pulled up. So tell us the date of that high point game. Uh, we so we have the high point game on Wednesday, uh, the twenty first. That'll be at uh, six o'clock, and we'll have that uh, at Menji's. And then we have another one post Christmas. And that'll be the 28th, and that'll be home. Our first, uh, co- our first conference game is against Temple, and that'll be home against Green uh, in Greenville at Williams Arena. And then finally, the last game on the road uh, for December will be the last game of the year, if you will, for 2022. Saturday, December 31st, New Year's Eve, four o'clock. A tough one, as always. It seems like they always schedule this game. Same time every year, but it's at Wichita State. So nice little run. We got a lot of games, Bubba, but uh, certainly uh, some winnable games in there. And I feel like that uh, with this group, um, the good news is that this is not the ceiling for this team. They're only going to get better, better, Bubba, as they're obviously well-prepared, great coaching staff. And as R.J. Felton talked about, they're putting hours and hours and hours. And he was talking to the voice, Jeff Charles, about that of work and, um, obviously his hard work has paid off, uh, certainly so far, and we'll see how it goes for the rest of the season, but certainly the next handful of games. And, um, one more point I want to make Bubba is always, uh, with this difficult conference schedule coming up, we've got to really push hard and these next four or five games are really big part of the season coming up. Yeah. As I said, a couple minutes ago, um, Pirates sitting at six and three, you know, really feel like you you probably should be 7-2, but, um, you know, stuff happens like that loss to South Carolina State. Um, South Carolina State um, playing Furman today, and um, I'll look and see what the score in that game is. Uh, Furman, very good basketball team um, with the in-state battle there against the Bulldogs. But um, – 
and we'll certainly have um, a more in-depth look at some of those other non-conference opponents as those games draw closer. Uh, I think Coppin State last I saw was something like three and five. Um, South Carolina, Gamecocks have had their struggles. They also have a first-year head coach, um, Lamont Paris, coming over from Chattanooga. And then High Point, um, they have the son of Tubby Smith, uh, G.G. Smith, you know, who's been on uh, his dad's staff at multiple stops. Uh, G.G. is the new head coach there at High Point, and they're off to a 6-1 and one start. Um, but in the Pirates, you know, hopefully we can hopefully we can pick up a few more wins. I mean, obviously we want we want to win all of them, but uh, hopefully we can finish and be at least you know, eight and four or something. If if not uh, nine and three going into conference play, yeah, Excuse me, or ten ten and three, nine and nine, nine and four. I was getting ready to say the 10, that's what I'm looking for between now and conference play is somehow, some way we can push, pull through and get 10 wins before the conference season. That will be uh, because I'm thinking that Bubba, what do you think uh, realistically four to six wins in the conference, um, something like that. So if there's some way that we could win 10 games, non-conference be at the 10 win mark before we play temple would be fantastic, but we'll see. Yeah. Obviously there'll, there'll be games like, like Houston, uh, where it's a, a real uphill battle. But uh, honestly, Dave, I think we're going to stand a better chance in league play than than we had originally thought. So we shall see. But uh, okay. but uh, I do think we're going to be <clears throat> be much more competitive, uh, and hopefully, we'll be able to to hold our own in league play. Uh, obviously, a very challenging league schedule. I just just. The biggest thing that scares me is um, on the interior in league play and us being so young in the front court uh, with guys that are very talented like um, Brandon Johnson, Ezra Sar, etc. cetera. Uh, obviously, Valentino, even though he's played limited minutes thus far, um, just against some of the teams that we're going to go against in the American that have a little more size and um, – and strength on the interior, uh, that's where my concern would be uh, more so than on the perimeter where I think we'll be able to hold our own with, uh, with Javon Small and, uh, and then also uh, Quentin DeBunjay and Jaden Walker, et cetera. Uh, and then uh, it'll be interesting to see how many minutes Caleb LeCount plays in league play. Um, obviously, there could be some uh, matchup situations there. But um, – you know, all in all, extremely encouraged at where we are through nine games. Yeah, and uh, again, uh, l- let's hope that uh, the Pirates are going to be working really hard. I know Coach said that last night between now and then, of course, he take the trip to Tuesday in Wilmington, and we'll see how that plays out. But if somehow, some way, that um, that tough road test, and by the way, uh, the last road test we had at Old Dominion didn't go very well. Uh, I think the Pirates, like Kyle alluded to, uh, was very tired. And uh, it showed they just didn't have the legs for it. But I think that they're going to be uh, much better shape on Tuesday night um, as the schedule is more uh, conducive to us. And uh, certainly we'll see that. But again, Tuesday night and then, of course, next Sunday, make sure you go out to Williams Arena, Menchie's Coliseum. If you want to get tickets, you can go to uh, ecpirates.com anytime or do it the old way, one 800 ecu And Bubba, 
I know, uh, speaking of tickets, uh, right there. Well, how about that? Yeah, Johnny Robertson just chiming in on what, what I was just mentioning as far as the front court and um, just size in general. He said Ken Pomeroy, um, obviously, um, you know, who produces the, the Ken Palm rankings. Um, he says that the, the Pirates are the 330th uh, team as far as size out of 363 Division One teams. And that tells you that that makes the 6-3 and three record we have even stronger. Uh, knowing that, and I know that uh, Coach Schwartz and Riley Davis and all of them are doing a great job of recruiting, and when we get down the stretch, we'll talk more about that. But thank you, Bubba. As always, I appreciate you very much for your hard work, my friend, behind the scenes. I don't say that enough. Thanks to the Johnnies, and thanks to anyone that listens and watches. We appreciate you in the archives. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, we're on. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram as well. And uh, we're trying to get to a thousand uh, subscribers on YouTube between now and then the uh, the year. Um, so we have a, a few hundred left uh, to go there, but we'd love to do that between now and uh, New Year's Eve. All right, for Bubba Rosenbaum, Pirates will repeat that score again one more time. Pirate basketball overtime. Pirates get the big victory, seventy nine sixty nine over the Camels. And you've been watching that right here on TSO. And as always, enjoy football. And by the way, one more thing. We'll have our show if you're watching live on Sunday night. And we'll be talking. We'll finally figure out where the Pirates are going on the gridiron, going bowling. And we'll find out that. So uh, be tuned in for that tomorrow night right here on the Sports Objective. Good day, everybody. And as always, go Pirates. Put your crossbones up and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, welcome to the island, man, it's crazy in here. A whole sea of purple and gold waving in here. Keep a plank for the shark tank, traders beware, because we got a whole bunch of body sailors in here. You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show, and go Pirates! Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.